from Forth. This is So What Do You Do podcast. When someone tells you what they do for work, do you ever secretly think, okay, but what do you actually do? I'm Ellie, and you, my friend, are in the right place. We interview everyday professionals from all positions in all industries. So sit back, relax, and learn where you too can thrive in a nine to five. Today we are talking to Tom, and Tom is a trained lawyer slash engineer who decided against becoming either of those things, and now he actually works in the energy industry as a contract manager. This role has actually enabled him to work across the world, from Australia to Asia and now in the U.S. Tom enjoys all sorts of outdoor activities, including camping, cycling, go-karting, and traveling in general. His most fun occupation, however, is being a dad and spending his time with his wife, his two young kids, and his 80-pound Bernadoodle. Today, Tom and I dive into how he transitioned from engineering and law into his role today, what excites him in his work, and his one piece of advice for any young professional or college graduate. I hope you guys enjoy. Okay, good morning, Forth. I hope everyone is having a great day. Today we have a special guest. Tom is with us today, and um, I've given you guys a little bit of background about what Tom does and what we talk about, but I'm going to go ahead and let Tom introduce himself and give all of you background um, on how he got to where he is today. Okay, so good morning, good afternoon, good evening, listeners. Um, So, yeah, my name's Tom, and I am a contract manager. When you say I'm a contract manager, before we talk about what that is, talk a little bit about what you studied in school and like your first job out of college, like even just the title of that. Okay. So if you asked me 10 years ago what I thought I would do, I would not give you this answer. Okay. What would you say? Uh, Good question. I guess I assumed I would become an engineer Mm, or mm -hmm. maybe work in commercial law. Cool. So my first job was working in a cafe. Okay. Um, I stocked the shelves. I made coffee. So Barista? I, yeah, I continued that passion throughout school and okay. throughout university, which I suppose you call college over here. Yes. You might be able to tell I'm from Australia. My work has brought me here. Awesome. Um, one of a couple of stops. So mm-hmm. I, uh, I had, I guess, most interest in science, engineering type of studies. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my focus in school. And I really didn't know what I wanted to do in college. So I thought, hey, uh, I'm going to try hard in high school and see if I can get good grades. And then I finished and thought, hmm, I don't really know where I'm going to take this. So I signed up for just a combination of different majors Yeah. and thought if I like one, fantastic. One out of two, how bad can it go? <laughs> so I started studying engineering and law. Um, I thought, yeah, this sounds really hard. I'll probably quit one of them mm-hmm. and just stick the other one out. But actually I found it fascinating. So I kept going. Okay, so you got a degree in both engineering and law. So I focused on on civil and structural engineering. That's really what a lot of work is um, in in Melbourne, Australia, where I come from. Mm-hmm. If I had my time again, I probably wouldn't study those majors. Okay, um, just for study, too long, or what would you study? Yeah, I think mechanical engineering is a lot more portable. Sure. Um, you can take that a lot of different places. You know, you can become an aerospace engineer. You can yeah. work in the energy industry, auto industry. Um, if you study civil engineering, it's great. It's fascinating, but you'll be focused on infrastructure, bridges, buildings, et cetera. So 
Cool. That's what I, I did the front end of my course, mostly in engineering. Okay. Started to mix in the legal side on the back end. And so the last two years were pretty heavy on the law side. Awesome. I want to talk a little bit about, you said you are a contract manager. Yep. So what does that mean? What does your everyday look like? Some of the things I have, my students ask me all the time is like, what does an average day look for you? Or even is there an average day? You know, how much time are you in front of your computer screen? How much time are you meeting with clients? And what do clients mean? For What does that mean in your world? And so talk a little bit about what does that actually mean? Yeah, so the job title itself probably sounds like one of the most uh, boring things that you've ever heard of, <laughs> right? Sure, maybe. <laughs> but in reality, it's not really like that. Yeah. Um, if you think of taking an engineering background and a legal background and crashing them both together and making a job, this is it. Okay. So a typical day for me is uh, in the U.S., they start pretty early. So the day in the U.S. starts between 6.30 and 7.30. Mm-hmm of an adjustment from the Australian day that starts at you know 8, 8.30 in the morning. Yep. Um, a lot of my day is spent interacting with stakeholders. So for example, in the current, in the current role, I work on a manufacturing site. Okay. We take a raw material and we process it into various types of products that we can sell on, on the market. Um, and to do that, we, have, we need facilities and those facilities have to be built somehow. So one side of the job is capital projects to build new facilities mm-hmm. or improve existing facilities. The other side is maintaining the, the plant itself. Gotcha. Um, okay. And so to, to get any work done uh, on our site, we need contractors, right? We need external folks who come in for a cost under a certain agreed um, set of terms and conditions and do work for us. Okay. So if the first part of my job is uh, focusing on building things and keeping existing things running. The second part is all around relationships with external contractors or suppliers. Gotcha. So you're saying as a contract manager, you help facilitate, you manage, you oversee, you work with both the physical actual facility side, building that and getting that effective and running and the people side. Yeah. So you could look at it in two ways. So there is a contractor who provides materials and resources, Mm -hmm. and that's all about getting the right thing in the right place at the right time. So when, for example, a welder goes to weld some pipe, he or she has some pipe, right? All the Mm -hmm. consumables they need, supporting people to watch for fire. Um, But then on the other side, there's a more strategic lens where you can say, okay, to run this site and to build a site, we need maybe 300, maybe 400 different suppliers who all do very different specialty things. Yeah. And so how do we manage the relationship with those suppliers? Um, How do we manage their performance? How do we manage challenges with their performance? Yeah. External impacts, like for example, if a certain product we need as an input isn't available. Um, So I would say it's very dynamic because I run into a lot of problems every day. So (laughs) if you like problem solving, this is the job for you. Okay, all my problem solvers out there, we've already listened to a guest and I'm sure we'll listen to many other guests that talk similarly. I think there's going to be a theme in this podcast that if you like to solve problems, there are a lot of jobs out there for you and and that's something that you should really hone in on. Um, That's really helpful information. So it sounds like you're dealing with a bunch of moving pieces. Now, how much of your work is managing people that are on your specific team, the people that you see in the morning when you arrive at the 
as the sun is rising, you know, 6 a.m., what does your team look like? Do you manage those people really, or is it more managing the facilities and such? That's a good question. So it brings out another factor of the job in that it's very dynamic. It's always changing. Mm -hmm. So if you asked me that question a year ago, I would have said 10% is around the team, 90% is around the more technical slash delivery part Mm -hmm. of the job. Now it's probably closer to 50-50. Okay. I'm not the team lead. We have a separate team lead and we have a management structure um, for this role. But from a mentoring perspective, we have a huge range of experience, right? From new graduates with three weeks experience to very experienced personnel who have been in the business for 10, 20 years. Yeah. Well, so those people that have been, let's say, so let's say you're working on a team with people that are just coming out of college. What do what are their data? Do you even know what their day to days are kind of looking like? Are they really, really hands on with the facility? Are they doing more admin work? Like, what do you see from that level on your teams? The first six months, I always say, if you've learned what you need to understand what an email means, right? By the end of yeah. your first six months, you're doing great. Great. I love that piece of advice. That's going on a fourth t shirt. <laughs> I love it. So there's a huge amount to learn, especially I work for a large multinational energy company. Mm -hmm. It is extremely complicated, very bureaucratic. We have a lot of TLAs. Mm -hmm. Do you know what TLA is? No. Tell the A three-letter acronym. Yes. A three-letter acronym, (laughs) which you will find a lot in the workplace. And raise your hand and ask when you don't know what they are. That's my biggest piece of advice. But tell us what a TLA is. Yeah, so in, in our company in particular, there's a huge passion for finding these three-letter acronyms for almost everything. Mm-hmm. And as a new graduate or a new joiner, your first job is to learn a thousand plus acronyms, mm-hmm. right? yeah. which can be quite a foreboding experience, it can be quite confronting. Yeah. So also, I think the one of my key kind of discussions with new starters and graduates is don't be overwhelmed, mm-hmm. be vulnerable, yeah. say if you don't know something, it just gives an opportunity to learn. A lot of our job day-to-day is negotiating, be it internally with stakeholders, um, managing different objectives, mm-hmm. right? influencing without authority, mm-hmm. be it dealing with external suppliers, negotiating a new deal. Um, you need to buy some materials. You need to buy 12 tanks, right? Or you need to build a new dock or mm-hmm. you need to build a road or you need a building. Um, there's endless opportunities to negotiate. And to me, commercial acumen, acumen is positioning yourself in a way that you can understand someone else's commercial perspective Absolutely. Um, and then somehow you know, frame that around your own objectives as well and find a win-win. Yeah. And I think what's so cool about that, and this is what I kind of, this is why, what I love about this podcast and what I am excited to continue to learn from professionals is you just said a word that I would argue growing up as a kid, if you were a good negotiator or a good arguer, your parents may say to you, oh, you're such a good negotiator, you should be a lawyer, right? Uh And I think that that is true, absolutely. But there are, I would argue, there are people that work on your teams that didn't go, you have a law degree, but they probably don't have a law degree or they got a business degree or they're an engineer and they're great at negotiating and they now negotiate for pricing and terms with these suppliers. And that just goes to show, my biggest thing is students come out of high school and they know, doctor, lawyer, teacher, accountant, nurse. And there's nothing wrong with any of those occupations, but that's not the large, large majority of the positions that exist today. And so I think hearing you say, hey, I get to use my law degree or my skill or my 
joy in negotiating and, and having that experience in a very corporate, like you said, multinational energy company, you know, as a contract manager, which at the beginning of this podcast, you said, you know, sounds kind of like the most boring job in the world, but you're negotiating with suppliers all around the world. Um, and so I would just encourage anyone listening to say, if you've been told your whole life, you should be a lawyer, you're a good negotiator. Well, that's great. You could totally be a, a lawyer, but there's also other jobs out there for you that you just may have never heard of before. Yeah. You and know? I, I played with the concept of becoming a lawyer. Yeah. Right? So I, I went to London and did an internship in a law firm in the UK and said, hey, I'm going to try out this whole legal yeah. thing. It turned out at the time it wasn't for me. Right? And mm-hmm. I think the thing that made me be a little bit more introspective about what I really wanted to do was realizing that after having that experience... I was five layers removed from the actual work that was going on. Sure. In Australia, we call it the coal face. I think here it's called the front line. Okay. Right? Yes. But the if front you're in line, a service yes. industry, you're not necessarily in the front line. You're mm-hmm. kind of managing the impact of someone else's actions. So going to industry, I thought, well, maybe this would be an opportunity to get on that front line. Mm. Instead of being in the advice capacity, being in the execution capacity. Well, my strategy when I was in college was I'm just going to spend my summers doing some different jobs, different internships. If I hate it, that is a win because I've managed to narrow it down even further. Um, I was a person that had no idea what I wanted to do. Totally. And I I have a a background study-wise that didn't help me with that, right? Yeah. It was very broad and very wide. Yeah. I did a lot of those. I did probably six or eight. And I think 80, 90% of them, I was like, no, this isn't for me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it's, I'm going to start to sound like a broken record on this podcast, I'm sure. But in another episode, I said the same thing. I'm going to say it again. I say that exact thing to my students, my clients. I say, if you have an internship that you absolutely hate, amazing. Write down everything that you hate about it. And in your next opportunity, just try to find something with a little bit less of those things. Yeah, That's the only way that you narrow in because you don't know what you like actually until you know what you don't like. And mm-hmm. figuring that out is, it's a process. Absolutely. And yeah. and what I would hope is part of your process is listening to this podcast and hearing from people like, wow, that sounds miserable. Like, I don't want to do that. Or that sounds really intriguing. I've never heard of that job. And I think that would be a good fit based on my skills and what I do like and what I don't like. Um, Can I tell you a story? Please tell me a story. So for me, the worst experience in the, I did an internship and I don't enjoy this. (laughs) Um, This was probably eight, nine years ago in my civil engineering days. Okay. So I was going to move to a country town two hours ago to work in a concrete yard where they build those huge prefabricated um, post-tension bridge beams. Okay. And these are the huge beams when you're on the interstate going over a bridge. That's what they use. And they fabricate gotcha. them off-site and bring them in onto location, lift them in. It was going to be cool, like work in the yard, build stuff, mix concrete, you know, cut steel. That's If you're an engineer, that's your bread and butter. That's what you like doing. Last minute, the yard was full. Uh, they couldn't, from a work safety perspective, they couldn't fit anyone else in this yard. So I had this three-month internship and well, they call it vacation work or site work. And it got shifted. So where did I end up? In a council office in the council infrastructure department. Oh my gosh. So I guess a council is equivalent to like a parish or, okay. a, or, it's or a county. City, a county, yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like a public works department. And my job was to take a clipboard and some comfortable shoes in the, in the Aussie summer, which is 105, 110 oh degrees. Oh my gosh. Walk around and look for cracks or um, trip hazards in footpaths. 
Right. So, so this, everyone listening, if you think your internship is rough, just listen to that. And this is coming from a guy who I know personally, but I know he likes to be doing and going and working and like he said, being an engineer. So I can only imagine that it's complete torture. So they call it a geographical information system, a GIS. And it's a piece of software where you can see the whole county parish um, and you can input little pieces of work in there. So oh, I would go okay. out and look for pieces of work where we would have to go and replace a footpath. Ooh. Worst job ever. I think that actually turned me off engineering for good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I'm done with this. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that story because I think it's really important too for people to know you're going to have bad jobs. I have stories of working for nonprofits and internships where for eight hours a day, weeks on end, I was stuffing basically donation bags where we would send off thank you bags. But my job was literally putting the piece of paper with the pencil and the picture and the thank you card in the bag and hundreds of thousands of those, just like eight hours a day, crank, crank, crank. And it's like, it taught me what I didn't want to do for the rest of my life, you know? Yep. And it was and it was worth that experience for that reason alone. If I didn't walk 15 miles a day inspecting footpaths, I wouldn't be where I am today. We wouldn't be having this conversation. Totally. And I love, I love that. Thank you for that story. I think that's so beneficial. Um, one question that I think is really interesting that I've gotten from some of my viewers is what kind of emails do you have waiting for you when you get to your desk in the morning? So as an example, in a previous ex work experience, I always tended to have these like SOS emails waiting for me, whether I would get them on my phone in the morning as I was rolling out of bed, which was always horrible, or when I got to my desk. So I think this speaks a little bit to like the stress levels involved, but also just like what types of emails are you dealing with every day? So working in a global business, we have folks across all time zones. Yeah. So from leaving one day to arriving the next, I'll have quite a lot of communications, mostly from other sides of the world. Mm -hmm. um, it's a good mix, really. I mean, we have some administrative stuff, you know, making sure people get paid, um, setting them <laughs> up important. in various systems. <laughs> and that's, I guess, the less sexy side of the job. Sure. Um, a lot of it will be around updates for certain strategies we have in play. So... As an example, if we have a project underway or a portfolio of projects, some of them will be in the very early stages where we're thinking about what we want to do. Mm -hmm. Do we want to build a shed or a building? Um, do If we're going to add this modification to the plant, do we want to do it in a way that will cost $20 million or in a way yeah. that will cost $500,000? And how much money can that make? All the way through to the other end of the spectrum when we're in construction in the field and you know, a pipe doesn't fit. Yeah. Or a weld has failed to test and it's very, very reactive. Sure. Yeah, I guess it's kind of an interesting spectrum for you of urgent, important right now versus, hey, let's talk about this tomorrow. Like, or take a look at this when you get to it, whatever. Very, it, it, it kind of keeps you on your toes. Not every email is urgent, urgent, but some could be like to your point because you're working in facilities and manufacturing and all and safety is involved as well yeah. I'm sure that definitely plays a part it's a constant struggle to balance the strategic side oh, I'm sure how are we transforming the business so we're competitive in three years time totally yeah versus this needs to be done in the next three minutes so that's a constant <laughs> yeah. challenge and that's something from the team perspective we need to make sure we focus our team and orient them in the right way they've they've got that yeah. That balance well understood. Yeah, that's awesome. I know it's sometimes it's challenging, especially for young people and new professionals, 
to figure out the difference between the 3,000 foot level, looking at something up above, down visually, and being in the weeds. You constantly have to ask yourself this one question. How am I adding value through this activity? Yeah. And sometimes the answer will be, I'm not. So I should cease it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is this bringing value to my team, to my company? Totally. I love that. And I, I feel like sometimes I use the word value to over, like it's a buzzword. It can tend to be a buzzword, but it's so important. Um, cause I think also it will allow you to realize the value that you have in your work and really provide purpose versus, Oh, I'm just going to my job every day. They don't really need me. You know, it, it, it kind of brings some vigor and some excitement to your work as well. What's your favorite thing about your job and your least favorite thing about your job? So the number one, the top thing about my job is that it's a global business. The world today is crazy globalized, right? And we can see that every single day with yep. the stuff we buy, the stuff we see on TV. Um, being part of a globalized business is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So we're buying a lot of things, some technology, some materials from Europe, from Asia, from Australasia, from South America, from the US. So I get to deal with a huge variety of people every yeah. single day. Okay, amazing. And so, and for people's reference too, I know this because I know you, but you started in Australia, you moved to South Korea. Yeah, so I started in working in offshore projects in Australia. I moved across the country to start. um, And then there was an opportunity to go across to South Korea and work in a shipyard. That was super cool. That was one of those transformational experiences where you just get thrown in the deep end. I think my boss at the time, a year in, said... um, yeah, we're just loading you up until you break, but you haven't broken yet. So we'll just keep loading you up, Oh my gosh. <laughs> which was a fantastic way to learn. Totally. And what a compliment. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, and then from South Korea across to the U S okay. And then our next move is looking like the middle East. So wow, that's again, first globalized in terms of the people we're dealing with, Absolutely. but in terms of who you want to travel with your job there's a huge opportunity. Absolutely. Well, I love that. Okay, perfect. I just wanted to reiterate that given his, he obviously works with people around the world, but he's been able to take advantage of opportunities to also live around the world, which is very, very cool. Um, Okay. And then your least favorite thing about your job. So combining the engineering side and the commercial slash legal side in the, in the world of engineering, everything is governed by a physical reality. There's the laws of physics that underpin everything you do. In the commercial world, people don't behave according to the laws of physics. Mm-hmm. Right? And not necessarily the worst thing, but it can be the most kind of confounding or confusing thing along the way. Yeah. Trying to understand people, especially when you bring those cultural borders into it. People listening are thinking, I want to be where Tom is one day. I want to travel around the world. I would love to work for a global company or even specifically I want, I think being a contract manager would be great because I'm super analytical, but I also am fascinated by law or I would love to manage people or I think that's somewhere I could add value or I just love to negotiate, et cetera, et cetera. Moral of the story is they're listening to this podcast thinking, oh my gosh, if I want to be where Tom is, what should I do today? Now, whether that person is in college or a recent professional who's just figuring out their life, what would be the best next step for them today? in your opinion? So I think there are a few answers to this question depending on what stage you're at. Sure. If you were in high school or early college, my number one advice would be get exposed to someone who's working in a business environment. They might be a business owner. 
It might be a friend, they might be a parent, they might be a mentor, but someone who you can have an open discussion around what are the challenges you're facing day-to-day running a business. Mm-hmm. And that will open up a dialogue to, I guess, some of these aspects around what we talked about earlier, commercial acumen. And if you can get engaged in that dialogue, you can then build a story around, well, okay, I've had some exposure to this negotiating side or deal making via XYZ Avenue. Sure. Um, and I think that can ignite the passion. Yeah. Which can help drive you through that college phase that can someone sometimes test your resolve. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you were kind of approaching the end of college, um, back to our conversation about internships, it's a stepping stone approach, or at least that's the approach I took when, yeah. when I was going through those experiences. Um, the more you can step yourself towards where you want to be, I think the more direct the path is into such a role. And then once you get to the point of applying, um, you might say, okay, I'm just going to apply to energy companies, tech companies, right? And everyone does this. Everyone builds stuff. Everyone spends capital, right? Mm-hmm. Money to expand their business. Mm-hmm. You could be looking at uh, the auto industry. You could be working at SpaceX, right? Building rockets. Mm-hmm. You could be working in the energy industry, building solar farms. The nuclear industry, same deal. Um, fast fashion, same situation. It's a very transferable skill set. Mm-hmm. But I think you really need to first choose where your passion is. So. For me, my passion was in major projects and the energy industry has a lot of that. If your passion was in transportation, find that area. Yeah. um, And then you can apply that skill set to almost any industry you dream of. Amazing. And one thing I'll add to that, he's absolutely right. All these industries have it. But if you're sitting on the other end saying, but my degree is different or my experience is different, what I would encourage you as your fourth friend and leader is, Think about what you've done and think about what Tom has explained makes a successful human in these roles. So whether that's bringing value from a negotiating standpoint, from a managing standpoint, from whatever it is, contract, special projects, et cetera, et cetera, explain that in your resume, write a cover letter. This is the perfect opportunity to write a cover letter because guess what? If you're a finance degree, but you want to get more into contracts or contract management or whatever, and you see a job that applies, write a cover letter about why your previous experience sets you up for success in that role. Because at the end of the day, they don't really care what your experience was. They just want to know that you know what this new role entails and how you would be successful And you have to be the one to tell them that. So that would be my one piece of kind of added on advice to that. Um, But otherwise, Tom, thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing with our fourth family. Thank you for coming on this inaugural um, podcast launch. Um, We would love to have you back at any point, um, especially when you're living um, overseas in another country. Um, But thank you again. And do you have any parting words for our audience? Be passionate. To me, that's a big differentiator. And if you're passionate, you'll, you'll stick out from the crowd. So I love that. Thank you for having me. It's Thanks. my pleasure to be here. And I hope uh, some of what we discussed is helpful to the community. Same. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. If you loved this episode and are inspired by this 9 to fiver, let us know. Subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Screenshot this episode and tag us on social at fourth underscore LLC. 
We would love to hear what professionals and industries you want to hear from next. Want more career guidance, discovery, and inspiration? Be sure to visit our website, goforthllc.com, and browse our career downloads, read our blogs, and get inspired to go forth.